This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. At Daily Pastor, we know that church leaders want to be better equipped for ministry. You need encouragement to not just survive, but thrive in the place where God has called you. On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we're going to be talking about implementing change. That's right, change is everyone's favorite subject. So we are so excited to talk to pastors and church leaders today about implementing change. As we continue our series, The Pastor's Pathway, I'm Kyle Willis, and as always, we're joined by Dace Clifton, the founder of dailypastor.com and a pastor himself. Dace, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Kyle, I'm doing great, man. I'm coffeeed up and ready to talk about a subject that has caused me a lot of frustration but I've learned to do some things and to not do other things. So it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, Dace, but change is absolutely everyone's <laughs> favorite word. Uh, those people in your church and those people around you absolutely love the word change. That's what I've heard. They especially like the change that they didn't know about before. You know, when, when it sprung on them quickly with long-term implications, you know, that's the change. That's what they like the best. Yeah. The number one thing that most people wanted for Christmas was change uh, <laughs> right up there with surprises. Uh, everybody likes a good change or surprise. Um, hey, Dace, let me ask you this since I brought up surprises. Uh, what's the best surprise you've ever had? Hmm, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is every time there's a flat tire, that's a surprise, right? But I guess that's kind of a lame one. I'm trying to think the worst. Okay. I've got one. This is terrible. Okay, so my sister, whom I love dearly, uh, my I have you know I hit the big four zero, you know, I, you know Kyle. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did actually. Congratulations! I'm over, I'm over the hill, and 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 my you know things are deteriorating. So my sister for my fortieth birthday, she got me this fanny pack, but it's not just any fanny pack. It's a fanny pack that is shaped the same color. It's like a it's like a a, a belly. Like literally, you know, the flesh of a belly, it's this belly-shaped fanny pack that has this hair on it. And so you clip this thing around your waist and it looks as though like your t-shirt is like coming up and your belly is hanging out. She got this for me. This was my gift for my 40th birthday. Not cool. That's all I'm saying. I don't know, Dave. That sounds pretty cool to me. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Last night when my wife came home, I had something much more realistic. I had my shorts up and uh, maybe my shirt was untucked a little bit. I don't know. But she was like, look at yourself right now. I will not be sending you a picture because it was that embarrassing. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, And Dace, I don't like surprises so much uh, that I'm not even going to give you an answer uh, to the question that I asked you. But today, as we're talking about change, you know, I think about that pastor who really wants to implement change, who really wants to uh, see lives change or make changes in their church, uh, but really struggle with kind of how to get it going. And so that's what we're going to do today. But before we do that, Dace, can you share with us the verse of the day? You bet. Well, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. And it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. You know, just a great passage of scripture that talks about how God calls us to respond to really all those around us with the type of love that's Christ-like, right? You know, a, a humble love, not envious or boastful, arrogant or rude, right? 
um, for those that are in ministry or really any leadership position, including leadership within the family. I mean, is there anything worse than arrogance or rudeness? I mean, it's just no way. It's not Christ's way. So just a good reminder of how we're to live. And uh, I think it's applicable for talking about change as well, because there's definitely some challenges that we're going to discuss in a few moments, Kyle, that when we talk about implementing change, uh, contrary to how we began this episode, not everybody's a fan of change. Well, Dave, since you like change so much, let's go ahead and just jump to our fourth point today. We'll change up the whole episode uh, just to keep you on your toes. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Uh, Actually, here's what I wanted to do. Uh, If you could provide some framework for us kind of on the front end and say, uh, this is what the change we're talking about. Are we talking about uh, a change maybe in the kids ministry or the facilities or a change in personnel and job responsibilities? Uh, What are we talking about today? What kind of change uh, is this going to be useful for? Well, I think all of the above and the reality of it is is that change is unavoidable when we're talking about ministry because in spite of people's desire to keep things the way that they are if you're going to be effective at ministry the only thing that doesn't change is is God his word and his promises but context changes constantly right we don't believe that God's word evolves into other things or 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 is lessened in any capacity. We're not talking about that, but we are saying that people communicate in different ways. People change, right? People's attention spans have changed. Uh, The way that people get information now is different than the way they got information 15 years ago. Radically different. And in fact, many, you know, before that, you know, those of our legacy members, before that, the big change from radio to TV, right? The way that people got information and before radio, right? Print. And so change is, is, is constant. And unless we're willing to uh, tackle and make needed changes in ministry, uh, we're going to be extremely frustrated. And unless we're able to navigate and lead people effectively in change, we're going to be extremely frustrated. So I think it's a very broad subject, Kyle, and I think it encompasses I'm definitely talking about change in the general sense of maybe we're talking about hiring a new staff person, starting a new ministry, changing a ministry philosophy, um, maybe making a significant investment in facilities. Those are all things that involve major change. Um, So, yeah, we're going to be talking about it all. Yeah, and I think, Dace, maybe one thing I would say uh, is kind of a tipping point for us here. Frankly, as we talk about opposition here in a minute. Uh, as you face opposition and change, even in your personal life, you know, it kind of shows you where your priorities are. I've said it before, but comments generally hurt in proportion to their truth. Comments generally hurt in proportion to their truth. Yep. And I would say that is kind of true here. You know, if we value something so small as reorganizing the entryway and, and moving one table from the left to the right, you know, I've seen it. Yep. Uh, if, if that is more important to us now, we may never vocalize it, but our attitude and our posture says uh, that it is more important than a changed life or, or guests coming into our building or changing the order of the service to, to really welcome and greet those uh, visiting us. Whatever it may be, if we are stuck to the routine or, or an internal way of doing exactly. things, that may show its elevation and uh, idolization. Yeah. I think that's the word. <laughs> uh, maybe we are idolizing uh, something that is not 
that important. So, so Dace, let me ask you this. Uh, how should we handle opposition? Well, number one, don't be surprised by opposition to change, even if the change seems to be minor to you. And Kyle, I'm, I'm sad to report that it's very likely that some of the brothers and, and people listening to this episode, maybe they serve in ministries or contexts where even things like you discussed, like changing a couple of things, like, you know, moving some furniture or something within within the church. It just, it might seem pretty minor, right? But for some in the church, for some reason, it's, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, how do you deal with that? And we all know that, you know, as, as Christ followers and, and people leading, wanting to lead effective ministry, we can't get hung up on where the pot plants are, right? But sadly, even things like that can really become a source of, of change. And so I, I think it's really just important just to, just to bluntly state, hey, don't be surprised by opposition. You know, when you want to implement change, hopefully what's going on is you want to implement change that's going to glorify God, make things look better, more effectively reach people or serve people better. I mean, hopefully those are the driving factors behind wanting to to, to make a change. Well, there's going to be opposition, right? I mean, for one, we know that the enemy doesn't want us doing anything good within the church. And sometimes the enemy speaks through the voice of people, right? Maybe not in a crazy exorcism type way, you know, right like that. But if you remember, you know, Peter gave voice to the enemy when he said, Jesus, hey, that's not going to happen to you, right? You're not going to be crucified. And Jesus said, hey, get behind me, Satan, right? And so we shouldn't be surprised by the opposition. No, no, we shouldn't be surprised by opposition yet. Um, I will say that Shirley loves her seat in the auditorium. And so if you take Shirley's seat, Man, be ready for some opposition. Uh, so, Dace, when opposition is present, uh, there are certainly some action steps we need to take. Uh, can you share with us what is coming next? Well, you've got to start small. I think in mo- most of the time when a person you know, is in ministry, particularly if you know, maybe this is your first ministry assignment and you're now you've ch- transitioned into the lead position, you're the lead pastor, or maybe you just have a, a real significant, you've been given a real significant measure of responsibility and you say, you know, I have the authority, you know, and the ability to change things. You've got to be careful with that. And you really, you need to start small. People are afraid of change most of the time. Sometimes when people say they're ready for change, the change that you might be thinking about bringing is not what they had in mind. And so I think for leaders, you know, we, we've got to start small and really, you know, the best way, the best approach, I think, is especially if you're new in your assignment, hey, let's pick some easy wins. You know, maybe you want to change the entire philosophy and the entire methodology of, of how a ministry functions, but start small. I mean, pick things that are easy and quick wins. Easy and quick wins are going to build capital to allow you to make larger changes. I, I transitioned uh, from a, a large urban church to a smaller church that's in a rural context. And the first few years that I was here in my ministry, my current ministry assignment, I thought, man, we're going to make these big changes. And, you know, the people responded well, they loved me, but they were not ready to go in, uh, you know, just off in this radically new direction. And so, you know, it can be really frustrating. And so you've got to start small. And so for any, any ministry leader listening, I would say, you know, write down on a list, what are some quick, easy wins that you can do this month, the next three months, 
in the next six months? I mean, what, what, what is something that's, that is a quick and an easy win and then build on that, go deep with those. Those are your, those smaller investments are your foundation for making major longer term changes down the road. Yeah. You kind of uh, are sharing my playbook there days, but uh, I say an easy win is often the first step to create success. You know, some of the wins uh, you need to have in your ministry don't necessarily have to cost money or, or certainly a lot of money. Yeah. Sometimes it's just building up credibility. And, and so to be able to start small and then build from there, build a deeper commitment or relationship, uh, it, it's certainly important. And I, I know that communication is going to reduce opposition. So uh, what role does communication play in implementing change? Well, communication is critical. And I think that one of the common mistakes that pastors and ministry leaders make when it comes to implementing change, they think that they have communicated clearly and either A, there are people that they're not getting it, they haven't had enough time to process it, or maybe, you know, they're just, I mean, it's just not as clear as the pastor would like to believe. And in the pastor's mind, you know, they've mentioned it. I've mentioned this five times. Well, the fifth time or the sixth time you mention it, somebody is just hearing it for the very first time. And so the, the, the key here on the pastor's pathway, I would say, is to over communicate, but not exaggerate. Communicate what needs to happen more than you think is necessary. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but you've really got to over communicate it. If you, you know, particularly the bigger the change, the more time is going to be needed to, to communicate it. And, you know, think about concentric circles. If you're wanting to implement change, the way that you communicate that is, you, you know, you, who do you start with? Well, you start with the core group. You start with maybe some, some, some stakeholders, your board, the trustees, uh, some, some, uh, a particular group there that's small. And then, you know, you, you, you give them time to think about it, process it. You explain the need. You've got it when you're communicating, you know, people are not willing to make changes until it becomes until the pain of staying where we're at becomes greater than the pain that's going to be incurred in the change. Yeah, that's awesome. That applies to all of life. Go ahead. That's absolutely true. And and probably more so in some of our churches today uh, is that the pain is just not there. And I could derail this episode today into a conversation about evangelism. But, but frankly, one of the reasons why the church isn't as evangelistic and telling others about the saving love of Jesus Christ is because you know, I think that honestly, we've forgotten what it's like to be lost, to have no hope. And, and, and until uh, you have that pain and you think back and embrace that, uh, you, know, you aren't going to share your faith or react, uh, reach out to those in need. So, you know, on a much lighter note, and, and until you feel the pain of the wallpaper in the ladies' bathroom being pink, mauve, whatever color it is, you know, until you feel that pain, uh, you are not going to want to change it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, really it's the, the leader's responsibility to communicate that, you know, not to use a, a fear tactic, but really to emphasize the need. And I, I just think I read several years ago, you know, when I'm sick of saying it, somebody is hearing it for the first time. And I think the mistake that I made early in ministry, particularly for the first three or four years as a senior pastor, I just don't, I, you know, I'd say something, I'd share it with people, I'd share it here, I'd share it there. But, but still, I was overestimating 
you know, uh, whether it was my communication ability or people's retention or their memory, you have got to communicate, communicate, communicate. And when you are, t- when you are sick and tired of saying it, someone is hearing it for the first time. Which is really kind of the point that we would say to, to bring this home is, is to stay the course and be persistent. Yeah. You know, as soon as you are tired of communicating, as soon as you are tired of the opposition and, and all those other things, hey, stay the course. Do not give up. Um, now, there's room for counsel and there's certainly space to switch plans or alter schedules. Um, however, persistency is critical to staying the course. Well, no question about it. And you think about this, you know, as a ministry leader and, and you know, any person, pastor or not, um, who is involved in ministry, what is ministry? Well, ministry is is serving the kingdom of God, right? It is working for the God of the universe to advance his causes. There is no more important thing in the universe than us living lives obediently to our Savior, uh, you know, letting our lives be uh, for his service. And so don't give up, uh, stay the course. I think, uh, particularly when we're talking about the church context, you know, Kyle, you and I have talked about this in the next 10 years, 20 years, there are changes that are going to have to be made. Uh, the way that people get information, their dependence on technology, um, the amount of information people have available to them, really presents some unique challenges for the church. And if a church is, you know, for any that are listening and you think, man, my church is just, you know, they're, they're stuck in the past and it's really hindering the ministry. People are not wanting to come. And, and many of our, our people that are here, they're, they're oblivious to it. They don't want to hear about it. I think the best thing that could be said is, you know, stay the course, do not give up because ultimately this is Jesus church. And I think that the best thing that we can give a church is our faithfulness to God, our faithfulness to Christ. And you might not be able to make all the changes that you want to make. In fact, I'll venture to say this. I think most pastors are not able to make all the changes that they want to make when they want to make them. I use this analogy. I think about a, a I'm not, Kyle, I'm not a football player. You've seen me. I mean, I could be snapped in half like wood. Now, you, on the other hand, did you play football, Kyle? I did not, actually. Uh, you would think so with my uh, great girth, but uh, I did well, not know. I was referencing your, you know, your muscular. But I think about a difficult football game, and I think you, know, you are fighting for yards. And so when you think about change, you might not be able to get 20 or 30 yards. But what can you do to get the people on your team, the people in your church, What can you do to get some yardage? What can you do to move that ball forward two or three yards right now? I mean, for most listening to this, there's going to be something that you can do. You might not be able to hire the staff person you want to yet. You might not be able to build this awesome new facility like that really needs to be built. You might not be able to do that yet, but you could do something to advance that, to get some yardage. And so that analogy, it helps me. I I think about when I'm not able to do everything that I want to do, Hey, how can I how can I push this forward? How can I get those that God has given me to move this ball forward three or four yards, five or six? And I think if you'll do that consistently over time, we really make progress. And then what I'm seeing in my own ministry is, you know, I'm here on my eighth year. You know, we've been able to do things in the past year and a half that I would have loved to have done at year two. It was not possible at year two, but 
it's in the bank at year eight, only because of God's grace. It takes persistence. It takes patience. Don't give up. And and by the way, last bit of free advice here, Kyle, never say never. They'll never do this. Well, that's probably the voice of the enemy. Oh, no, I know these people. No, you don't know that. You never know what God can do. In fact, we pray that God does his best work in everyone's heart, right? And so have faith, expect the best, move that ball forward, uh, even if it's just a yard or two. Well, absolutely. And and one thing that I've been thinking through a lot recently is that faithfulness produces fruitfulness. So being consistent and faithful will produce fruit in due season. So if, if you are a pastor or a church leader out there today and struggling to implement change, first we would say don't be surprised by the opposition. Negative Nancy uh, will always make an appearance. Hey, we are going to recommend starting small and building from there. You know, next, over-communicate, don't exaggerate, and then finally stay the course and don't give up. And if you want to implement, change at your church. It is really your responsibility to walk through uh, these steps. So if we missed one, I would uh, ask that you send us an email. Give us some feedback. Uh, We would love to hear your comment on implementing change. Uh, Send us an email uh, directly at thedailypastor.com at gmail.com that's the daily pastor at gmail.com and as always we are so appreciative of your time each week and your sharing of the thriving in ministry podcast because we exist to help encourage pastors in their ministry journey that's right kyle and this is definitely an episode where it would be great to get some feedback I am certainly not an expert on change, but I've learned a few things the hard way. I'd love to hear back from some of our pastors and veterans in ministry how you've implemented change and what the result has been. Thanks again for listening. Have a blessed day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church leaders. First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast.